Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Me too. Okay, well, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3, so if you want to turn there with me. I find it funny that uh, Pastor Matt is making the American preach on the 4th of July. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. This is the most least patriotic message I've ever ever given, ever. Uh, but we're talking about food in this, this message, and I actually tried. I'm not even lying. I tried to make all the references to food about burgers and dogs. But I couldn't do it. So I was like, no, this is too part of the course. Like, this is too nail on the head. I can't give a patriotic message. We're going to give a spirit-filled message today. So we're in Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, for everything, say everything. For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, speaking prophetically of 2020, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to silence, of silence, and a time to speak. A lot of times, go, and then it ends with this, a time to love, and a time to hate, and a time for war, and a time for peace. That's a lot of seasons. I think the writer of Ecclesiastes, what he's trying to get across is that no matter what we're going through, there's a season for it. And so what that means is right now, every person in this room is in a season. You are in a season. We're all going through something. So today, we've been going through uh, this message series in exchange, and I wanted to bring it to the church. Today, we're going to go through this message series about seasons. And we're going to talk about the seasons of life, but not only that, how do we make the most out of the season that we've been given? What can we do to make the most out of the seasons? So if you're looking for a title for the message today, it is this, Seasoned Seasons. Seasoned Seasons. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're here with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come right now, Lord, anoint these words. I thank you that the words that are going out is your word, Jesus, that your word is going out. I pray that hearts are soft today, that your word sinks deep into the hearts of the people that have shown up here, God, and ultimately that there is change, that there is inspiration, Lord, and that there is uh, new people coming to you and to your family, Jesus. We pray that your presence is here, and that these words would be anointed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, cooks, speaking of seasoning, cooks are some of the most intentional people that I've ever met. If you think about it, because when you're making a dish or when you're making a meal, you have to do very specific things. But if you do too much, it goes bad. It doesn't taste well, right? So they have to be very specific. I'm not a cook. I actually, I, I hate cooking. I can't stand it. I try not to cook as much as I possibly can, and I use the microwave far too much. But I don't know if there's any of you guys out here like that. It's totally like me. But the thing is about cooking is that it is such a minute thing. Like they tell you to cook the burgers, right? But not cook the burgers. 
to put a pinch of salt, but not a dash of salt. I don't even know what a dash of salt is, right? Like, how is that a measurement? When it says, like, put a dash of salt in, everyone's like, <laughs> trying to dash the salt in. It doesn't make sense. But the thing is about cooking is it takes so much focus and stuff. And one of my least favorite things to do in the whole world is to be in the kitchen when my friends who love cooking are cooking a meal. I, like, as soon as they start cooking a meal in the kitchen, I'm gone. Like, I'm like, two-hour bathroom break, here we go. <laughs> Pulling up YouTube, we're going somewhere. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> the YouTube hole is real, though, right? Uh, anyway, we're going there today. I've had too much coffee. Anyway, I can't stand it. I can't, because if you hang around people that are working in the kitchen that really know what they're doing, sooner than later, you're going to have a job to do, Right? And like me last Thanksgiving, first of all, Thanksgiving is like my nightmare. Like I know that's a sin to say in the South, but it is, it is my nightmare because you have to disappear for five hours. Like where do you go for five hours where people can't find you, right? So last Thanksgiving, I'm walking through the kitchen. I'm on one side of the kitchen and I start walking through the kitchen. By the time I got to the other end of the kitchen, I had the turkey in my hand and a knife. And they'd given me the job to cut the turkey. And I'm like, me? You don't know, like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, no, no, you're definitely doing it. Like, this is a place of honor. I'm like, okay, I got to cut the turkey, and I completely massacre it, right? And then it puts me in this awkward position, and they grab the turkey, and they're going out to everyone to present the food, and they're like, Aaron, cut the turkey. I'm like, thanks, guys. Like, really threw me under the bus on that one. Like, what you're saying is you did a terrible job. No. But the thing is about cooking is it's so specific, and we have to get – uh, the thing that blows my mind about it is that just a little bit too much salt and the whole thing's ruined. Or just a little bit too much oil and the whole thing's ruined. They know how to season the dishes. Real good cooks know how to season the dishes. And as for as much as I hate cooking, I love cooking shows. Like, I love watching competition cooking shows. It's one of my favorite things in the whole entire world. And I was recently watching one of them and they were interviewing one of the celebrity chefs, which is kind of weird that we have celebrity chefs, but they're interviewing this celebrity chef and they asked him, like, what makes a master chef, like a great chef? And I want to read this quote to you. I think it's important what he said. He said, I got to find my place. The thing that takes a chef from a great chef to a master chef is their wisdom and execution on how to season the dish. Right? You can be a great chef if you nail cooking the dish. But the thing that makes you above and beyond is, how you, is your wisdom and execution on how you season a dish. And I was watching this, and I started to think about my own life and look, think about how I am taking care of my own life. And I was like, man, this applies to our own life so much. Like, if we want to have great seasons, if we want to have master seasons, we got to have some wisdom and some execution, right? We have to use wisdom and execution in our seasons. If you imagine it this way, a season of your life is like God giving you a piece of meat, right? And what we do with it is up to us. And so now we get to take this season that we're currently in, that God has given you, and season it. And so today I want to go about how to season your seasons. Talk about what it looks like to actually make the most out of the season that you find yourself in today. Does that sound good? Before we do this, though, there's one thing I, I really want to explain and talk about that's really important, and it's this, that seasoning your seasons, making the most out of your season, doesn't look like putting a smile on your breakdown. It doesn't. 
using happiness as a seasoning is like using an all-in-one seasoner. It might work for a little bit, but after a while, everything's going to taste the same. Right? See, the goal is not happiness. The goal is Jesus. That's the goal, not happiness. And so often we try to live a happy life, but what we actually need to do is live a God life. In Colossians 2, 9, it says this, for he is the complete fullness, speaking of Jesus. He is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness, which includes your happiness, our own completeness is now found in him, Jesus. But it goes on. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. As we search for God, as we try to season our seasons, it's not about living a life that is happier. It's about living a life that is full of the Holy Spirit, that is full of God, that is outflowing into people around you. And from that, there is happiness. Like Pastor Matt said last week, we are called to be happier, happier people. We are. But the goal is not happiness. The goal is Jesus. It's just really important. So today, before we move, or as we move on, I want to talk about three things to season our seasons. Does that sound good? Three things that you can practically do to season your seasons. The first one is this. Know your season. Know your season. Go with me here. How hard would it be for you to season a piece of meat if you had no idea what kind of meat it was? Right? Like if you see, you season chicken way different than you season beef. Unless you're using an all-on seasoner. But, you know, you season them differently. Depending on the style of food that it is, you season it differently, right? And it's kind of weird to think about how would you not know the meat, but think about it this way. So many of us are going through our lives with not knowing the season that we're in. And we're trying to season something, but we don't know what we've been given. So the first step to seasoning your season is super basic, is to actually just know what season you're in. So how do we do that? That's the question I have. How do I season my seasons? And I think the easiest thing for us to do I don't know about you, is to look around at the circumstances that are happening around you, right? The things that are external, that are happening. But I think that's a trap. It's a trap. Any Star Wars fans? No one? Come on, it's a trap. First service, it didn't fly either, so that's okay. (laughs) Anyway, it's a trap. I feel like looking around at the circumstances that are around you, the things that are going on around you and saying, that's the season I'm in, is a trap. Because the circumstances around you, this is really important, the circumstances around you don't dictate the season that you're in. Things going around you don't dictate the season that you're in. Jesus does. Jesus holds your season. I'm, if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you this verse. It's, it's amazing. Colossians 3. Look at this. Starting in verse 1, it says, So if you're serious about living this resurrection life with Christ, act like it. That's a word for someone here today. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes on the ground, absorb with things that are right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around yourself. Wait, no, it says Christ. Look up. Be alert to what's going on around Christ. It goes on and says that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. You see, your circumstances don't dictate the season that you're in. Jesus does. Let me show you another verse that's incredible, Acts 1. This is when Jesus is ascending. The disciples roll up to see Jesus, 
And they say this, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? What they're asking Jesus in this moment is, is this, this are we entering into the season that we've been hoping for? And what does Jesus respond? He says, he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. First of all, the Father has fixed the seasons by their own authority. He says, right now it's not time for you to know that, but listen to the next verse. But you, whoa. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Your season is set with Jesus. He has given you your season. And the first thing we can do is look to Jesus, get our eyes off of what's going on around us and look to Jesus. And the second thing we can do to know our season is ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job, I don't know if you know this, the Holy Spirit's job is to bring clarity for your life. One of his jobs. Because what he's doing is he's sitting there listening to what the Father is saying and he is relaying that to us. So if you don't know what season you're in right now, the best thing we can do, look to the Father and ask the Holy Spirit. Because the person that set the season is gonna wanna share the season, right? If I I was the person who set the season for someone, I would wanna share it with them. God wants you to know what season you're in. But we need to be asking him. So really practically, to know your season, the first thing is to look to Jesus. The second thing is to ask the Holy Spirit You know, with your seasons going on around you, it might look one way, but be completely different. I remember when I was um, just getting married. Uh, My wife and I, we were entering a season to what I actually did this. I asked the Holy Spirit, what is the season? And I want to find this journal. I should have brought it today. But in this journal I wrote down is a season of joy and growth. That was the season. I was about to get married, and I was like, this is going to be a season of joy and growth. I believe this for me. But what ended up happening is the situations that were going on around our life were extremely difficult, extremely hard for us. And looking at all of the seasons that were happening, or the circumstances that were happening around in this season, it did not look like a season of joy and growth. But I had to stand by what God say and claim it into my life. No, this will be a season of joy. And it, it, was, it was. It was one of the joy, most joyous seasons I have ever had in my whole entire life. But the thing is, is it probably never would have been that way unless I knew what it was supposed to be. See, there's power in knowing your season. It might look like it's over, but God's saying it might be the beginning. It might look like it's going to be harder or that there's no way, that there's no healing, that the ship has sailed, that the job is gone, that the person you love doesn't love you back, whatever it looks like around you, it's all right. Because God is doing something. Whatever it is, can I encourage you here today, your circumstances don't define your season, Jesus does. So we need to be asking him what he is doing. Another thought, I don't know if you could write this down, is this. What you go through has no right to tell you what God has for you. What you go through has no right to tell you what God has for you. Look at Ephesians 1, starting verse 11. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. What you go through has no right to tell you what God has for you. Look to Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit. Know your season. Because once you know your season, you get a partner with it. Then the fire really gets cooking. So the first one's know your season Second one, you guys ready? You with me? Is this, accept your season. Accept your season. Acceptance is easy to do, hard to work out. 
right? If I were to ask you, hey, do you want to go golfing on Saturday? It's easy to say yes, but then you got a week to go through, right? And then Saturday rolls around and you might be like, no, there's no way I can do this. And I feel like accepting your season is kind of similar to that. To where once we know our season, the season that we're entering into, accepting it can be easy and be like, okay, God, I'm in. Working it out can be hard. And we need to remind ourselves, like I said earlier, just to keep our eyes on Jesus. But you know, when you're going through a hard season, and I know some people that are going through some hard seasons in here, I've been through plenty of hard seasons in my life. And when you're in a hard season, Sometimes the thought can come in that you're being punished for what you've done in the past. But that's actually a really unhealthy view of God. God's not punishing you. He doesn't give you a bad season because of what you did in the past. That view is like God is working on me, like I'm broken and I need fixing. God's not working on you. He's working in you, right? Things might be crazy in the external but God is still working on in, in your heart. You know, I think sometimes we think uh, God is, or, or I, think le- he, uh, I think God is less concerned about the things that are going on around us, the fires that are going on around us, and wants to get the fire inside of you. He wants to cultivate the relationship, the personal relationship, instead of focusing on the things that are going on the outside. And it's so easy to look at the circumstances that are going on on the outside and say, God, what are you doing? And he's like, man, I'm trying to cultivate an intimate relationship with you. See, some of the best things we can do to seasons our seasons is to worship, prayer, and read the word. Salt, pepper, and oil. It's like the most basic seasoning, right? It's in everything. Worship, word, and the prayer. Even when things are crazy on the outside, asking God, man, what are you doing in my heart right now? God, I don't feel like, there's been times when I've walked in here and I do not feel like raising my hands, but do you know what I have to do? Stand firm, just like Pastor Matt said. Put both feet down and say, no, I'm warring in the spirit. I come against the spirit. I'm raising my hands right now and I praise you, Jesus. It's so powerful. We need to fight to accept our season. Stand firm. Cultivate that relationship on the inside of what God is doing on the inside. God doesn't want to work on you. He is at work in you. In the season that you find yourself in is exactly where God is working. Whatever God's given you in this season, God's working in it. One of the best ways to figure out where he's working is just to ask him, what are you doing in my heart? What are you doing in my heart through this? I think accepting your season, one of the best stories in the Bible about accepting and rejecting your season is the story of David and King Saul. And I know many of us know it, but it's such a great story. I believe that David was in a season of serving. And he was, at this time in his life, he was uh, set apart to serve Saul. And he was serving Saul, hand like, diligently. I mean, like, with his whole life, Saul would send him out to war on the front lines, and he went, and he fought. And he would come back, and Saul would be having a bad day. There's this moment in 1 Samuel 18 where he's having a bad day, Saul And he calls David in to play music for him, to calm him down. This was a normal thing. And David, at this point, had been doing so well that Saul got jealous of all the accolades that David was getting. But what Saul didn't realize is that he was actually in a season of blessing. As a leader, one of the best blessings you can ever receive is people that are just like, man, I am all out. 
I am serving. And David was that person. He was saying, I am all out. I am in a season of serving, and I'm going to serve you with my heart's content. But what Saul did is he got jealous, and he picked up a spear while David was sitting over there playing his music on his nice Nord keyboard, and he took it and he threw it as hard as he could. David ducks and, get, and ducks out of the way and leaves, right? But the story doesn't end there. Saul was rejecting his season. He was rejecting this season of blessing that he was in, and he was warring against David. But what did David do? If I was in David's situation, I would get out of there. If someone's trying to kill me, talk about a bad season. Someone actively trying to kill me, I would, I would get out of there. What did David do? Next, he went to war for Saul, and then he came back, and Saul was having another bad day, and he called David over to his house, last place he probably wanted to be, and he says, you know what? I'm turning up, and he turned up. Because I could imagine him telling God, you know what, God? You put me in this season of serving. No matter what, I'm going to show up. No matter what. And then the no matter what happened, and David showed up. And he sat there, and he played music for Saul. And Saul ended up throwing another spear at David. And then the whole chase thing happened. You know, you ran away. All Great. But the thing is, is David accepted the season of serving. Saul rejected it. And it's so hard in the now what, right? Like, it's so hard in that I just need to keep showing up sometimes. Like, in a hard season, talk about a hard season, Saul's trying to kill you. Someone's trying to kill you. And it's like, you know what? God spoke it, I'm gonna believe it. Someone needs to hear that. God spoke it, so we gotta believe it. God speaks things about our life, and we gotta put our feet down and say, you know what? No, I believe it, God. No matter what, even if craziness happens, my circumstances are crazy, I know that you've called me to this. This is the season that I called. I am called to, and I'm going to work it out. We need to accept our season. He gave you the season. He is in your season. He is working in your season, and he will give you a hope and a future. You know God has a plan for your life. We say it a lot, but it's so true. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, God's plan for your life is to give you a hope and a future. And when we reject that, we're devaluing God's plan for our life. I don't want to devalue my hope and my future, right? So we need to be accepting our season and understand that God has a plan for your life. It's going to work out. Ecclesiastes 3, he lists what we just read earlier. He lists all those seasons, right? Listen to what he says directly after it. This is the very next verse. He says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man, that he has given to the children of man, right? And it says, to be busy with, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Do you see those words? That is the Bible. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Those words in its time can be super hard sometimes. Sometimes things aren't beautiful in your surrounding area. And you're like, no, in its time, no, it is now. Like, time is now, God. Not in its time, its time is now. I need, I need this to be beautiful. But the thing that you have to hope, you can pray for that, but then you have to trust God and say, no, I know that your word says it will be beautiful. It will be beautiful in its time. We need to accept our season. Your season might be, uh, may not be perfect in the moment, but don't reject what God is perfecting. So 
First one, know your season. Second one, accept your season. And the third one today, as the band comes back up, is this, enjoy your season. I love this one. This is the fun one. Enjoy your season. We're going to continue reading Ecclesiastes 3. Right after it says he makes everything beautiful in its time, he kind of has a tone shift. And if the reader or the writer of Ecclesiastes was talking to me personally, I'd imagine at this point he like grabs a shirt and like pulls him close. Listen to what he says. He says, I have perceived that there is nothing better. Nothing. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to do, speaking about the people who are in seasons, who are working, to be joyful and do good as long as they live. He goes on in verse 13. Also that everyone, say everyone. Everyone. You're everyone. I'm everyone. He says also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all. Say all. All of his toil. Everyone in all. What that means is Every single person, no matter what season you're in, in every single season, is called to eat, drink, and take pleasure in your toil. You are called to enjoy your season. All of this toil means all. So it means every single season. You know, you're called to the season that you're in, but you're called to also enjoy the season you're in. And sometimes it can be like, how am I supposed to enjoy the season? Jesus will show you. I think sometimes we need to like peel away time. I have to do this because if... I have a season of work where I get given something to do. I will work my bottom end off. I will work it off, right? But the thing that I have to do and remember being an introvert as well is that I need people. I need you guys. I need to enjoy my season. I'm not just called to work my season. You're called to enjoy your season. And for me, what I have to do sometimes is get real about it, put it in the schedule, put healthy boundaries in place, even if I don't feel like it in the moment and carve away time to be like, no, I need to go hang out with my boys. No, I need to go hit the golf course. No, I need to have these people over for dinner. Whatever it might be to enjoy our season, we are called to enjoy our season. You see, the real life truth of this is sometimes we put so much pressure on the cooking and the seasoning and the doing of making a dish that we forget that we're supposed to eat the food. Right? We're supposed to eat the food. It's like Napoleon Dynamite. Eat the food, Tina. Someone in here named Tina? Eat the food. Right? We're called to eat the food. We are called to eat the food of our season, the things that we're working so hard to produce. We are called to enjoy what we are doing. You're not just called to go through your season just moping around or working. We're called to enjoy it. God's coming back for a fully alive church, not a burnout and tired church. We need to enjoy our season. That's why I love our vision statement so much. We are an exciting, vibrant church. Not a boring and stale church. Not a beat down and tired church. No, we know how to fun, have fun, right? We know how to enjoy our season. We are called to enjoy your season. You are called to enjoy your season. We can't just work our whole entire lives. It does take a bit of work. It does take a bit of seasoning. And there's harder seasons than others, but don't forget what cooking a meal is all about. It's about eating the food, Tina. It's about living a full God life. 
God's not looking, again, for a beat-down church. He wants a refreshed and fully alive church, a church that has seasoned its seasons, that has taken the time out to say, God, no matter what good, bad, I'm in. I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna read your word, I'm gonna show up every day. I'm in, God, no matter what it is. But I know that you have called me to also enjoy this season. I think I went through a time about two and a half years where I worked and worked and worked and worked and didn't stop. And it took a toll on me physically. And I remember being in a place of just completely undone. I actually walked onto the beach here. This is right when we moved here and I walked onto the beach and I just broke down and I lost it. It's like, I can't do it anymore. And my wife came up next to me and she said to me, don't you think it's time that you stop working so hard? And it was the Holy Spirit saying, you have to enjoy your season. Take the time out to enjoy your season. And from that moment on, I was like, you know what, God, no matter what it takes, I'm going to set time aside in my week to enjoy time with you, to enjoy time with my family, and to enjoy time with my friends. So I wanna encourage you guys here today, if that's any one of you where you're just like, man, I am tired, I am worn out, I am beat up, Practically, really easy to just take some time and be like, you know what, I'm setting aside time every single week, every Friday, this time. This is family time. And then every Saturday morning, I have this block of time for myself. I need it. It's super practical, but it's really, really good. You know, one last thing, and then we're gonna close. I was watching one of my cooking shows the other day. Um, it's so weird that I hate cooking, but I love cooking shows. I don't know why that is. But... I was watching one of my cooking shows and they were um, interviewing one of these uh, legendary chefs. Like, not a celebrity chef, this guy's like transcendent. He's like, he's like a chef, right? Like he has changed the game. And the person asks, asked them, what is the most important thing that you do on a night at your restaurant? And he could have said, put out great dishes. He could have said the creativity of the chefs. He could have said so many things, but what he says, he says, no. The one thing that we have to make sure that we're doing, no matter what, is before the service, before the waiters are waiting, before the bussers are bussing, before the food's going out, before the people are coming in, he says, we sit around one table, all of the staff, and we enjoy the food that we're making that night. We eat the food. And I think for us, like I said, we can get so caught up in not sitting around the table. And what we're actually doing here together to bring some perspective is we're all sitting around a table together right now. And we're all enjoying our time together. When you're having people over to your house for dinner, yeah, you might leave a little bit less tired, but what you're doing is you're building into your future, you're building into their future, and ultimately you're getting filled up so that the people that are out there that desperately need Jesus can encounter you and you can overflow onto them and they can meet Jesus. You see, we're all sitting around a table and we need to enjoy the season that we've been given. So seasoning our seasons, what does it look like? It looks like knowing your season. It looks like accepting your season. Ultimately, it looks like enjoying your season. Do you receive that word? Awesome, well, why don't we stand?
You know, as I was preparing this message, one of the verses that I, w- I read in the message just screamed at me, jumped out at me, and I feel like that verse is for us here today. And it's Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. It says, so if you're serious about living this resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert of what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. And listen to this last part. See things from his perspective. See things from his perspective. And I think in this room right now, there's people that might be going through a hard season, might be going through a hard circumstance, and you're like, man, I have a terrible perspective on this. Or man, I'm struggling with this. And you're at a place where you're like, God, I need a new perspective. You know, God wants to give you a new perspective. Maybe you don't know your season. You're like, God, I need to know my season. God wants to share his season with you. And I believe that in this room, when we pray here in a moment, I'm gonna ask those people to raise their hands. And when they do, I believe God is going to start pouring out his spirit, pouring out new perspective onto your lives, on the situations that may have happened years ago or the situations that may have happened this morning. There's new perspective for us here today. So with every eye closed, if that's you, will you just raise your hand? Awesome. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the one thing we need more than anything is a God perspective. We need Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have the ultimate perspective of life. We thank you that we're able to see this world through your lens. Right now in this moment, Lord, we just pray that there would be a fresh outpouring of new perspective in people's lives, Lord, in situations that seem like there is no way or there's no understanding where there's no other way. God, we thank you that you are the way, Jesus. Lord, that you are the answer and we pray that you would just pour out perspective, Jesus, that you would start to show people where you are in the chaos. What you've been doing, Jesus, Lord, I pray that the perspective would just be something that would take people back, Lord. Holy Spirit, Pour out perspective over your children here today. We are hungry, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you that your perspective will ultimately lead to praise to you. Right now, we praise you for this new perspective, Lord. Even if we haven't received it yet, God, we thank you for it. We thank you that you're going to send your perspective. We thank you that you are sending out your Holy Spirit right now. We thank you for that you're giving words to people, Lord. And we pray that you would speak boldly in their lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's worship. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.